I don't know. sound like it. I'm half Southern. My mom's from I'm Alabama. Half Southern. Half Southern. So that means you were born in like... Northern, I was born in Charleston, South Carolina. Northern Tennessee. Actually, well, close to the Mason-Dixon line. You are there. Southern then. Do you uh, Georgia Peach? But my mom grew up in the South, and my dad went to the University of Alabama. Shout out Bulldogs. Our goal in this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of his spirit, do better, so together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better. It's a new year. We have a new series, and we are on episode 65 of the A Little 65. Better podcast. Yeah, we've been doing this. People are still watching, so we're still talking. Um, <laughs> Drew, you kicked off a brand new series this year, this Sunday, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us your sermon in 60 seconds. Yeah, we started a series called Who Am I? And really, we're, we're talking about identity. And so, I mean, the main thrust of the series really and this week was building a biblical foundation. And so uh, in order to understand who you are, you got to understand who created you. Um, and so we looked at how God designed us um, and how we are unique to all other creation. And we talked about <clears throat> when it comes to who am I, the two places that you got you to you search, the creation account and the cross. And mm-hmm. so that is our foundation for who we are. Excuse you. Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, so in, in light of that, you did, you had a very robust like biblical foundation of, you covered a lot of content um, from the Genesis account and others. But my, my question that I want to start off with is why this series in the new year? Why, why this one? You know, normally it would be like new year, new you, you know, habits or we do something like that. But why identity? Why? Who am I? Well, I mean, I think if you look at culture right now, identity is at the forefront of a lot of cultural issues. Um, and not that, that I wouldn't say that's like a solely reason, but I, I've talked to so many people uh, just about identity. I listened, I think maybe one of the most pinnacle reasons why I did this series is I was, I was listening to a I think it was a podcast and Timothy Keller, who is a, a really amazing teacher and pastor, and he's kind of kind of at the end of his pastorate. And someone asked him, like, hey, if you could do, if you could go back to your young self and and tell mm-hmm. yourself something, what would you tell yourself? And he's like, I think I'd preach on identity mm-hmm. more. Right. And people understanding who they are and where they come from. And so I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, it certainly feels like the crisis of our age. I mean, that is the timely topic. And even as, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but it's, you know, what you said, foundation. This is absolutely foundational. And I think a lot of people might listen to the message and say, well, of course I agree with that. But then it's like, wait a minute, but think it through because here are the implications. They're going to work out in future weeks, you know, but this foundation has to, if this foundation is in place... Uh, it matters. And a subtle thing in the series that people might not necessarily catch um, is we're really teaching through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. You know, we're not going to like, obviously we're not doing that verse by verse, but we are teaching mm-hmm. the foundations, the truths that God provides at the very beginning from how he created us to how sin entered the world and how it affects who we are. And so you'll notice in the series, we're going to spend a decent amount of time in Genesis 1 and Genesis mm-hmm. 2 and in Genesis 3. Yeah, absolutely, in, in that regard. And so in in light of that, Brad brought up a really good question before he started filming. What would you say to the person who, um, you kind of addressed the person who is skeptical at the end of the message, but who doubts just the fact that God or a intelligent designer is a language a lot of apologists use and scientists who believe in, and mm-hmm. believe in God, um, who doubts that? Like, what would he say to that skeptical person who even doubts, like, that at all of like, you know, God as an intelligent designer 
in our world, just in general? Yeah, I mean, one thing I would recommend is uh, I think a great book um, to read is uh, a guy who I admire, Frank Turek. He wrote a book, It, it Takes More Faith to Be an Atheist. Mm. So he talks a lot about um, just how creation uh, gives us insight into something bigger, something mightier than ourselves and how creation screams out even the bible we read verses on that how creation screams mm-hmm. out to an mm-hmm. intelligent designer um so i would encourage them to do their research to to look into creation and look into um what really smart people say and all the you know even even i, I love all these archaeological finds that we find and they just they just remind me, they point back to the truths of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would say, I would challenge them to read that book. Um, I think it's a great resource. And I would say continue to search and and discover. And I, I believe fully that God's spirit will draw you to the truth. Mm. That's so good. You had mentioned Damar Hamlin in your message and just how that highlighted, highlighted this core issue. I mean, we've been... Um, the world, you know, <laughs> Americans have been talking about prayer. It's been this, um, and prayer presupposes a creator, you know, yeah. a creator who listens, who cares, who will take action on our behalf. But um, it's just, you know, we've seen the ESPN commentators, yeah. you know, bow their heads and pray, you know, on television. Um, and New York Times has written articles about the you know, you know, Christian faith, you know, you know, in the NFL, but it was interesting because I loved it, of course, seeing that unity and that response. Um, but, um, I hear a lot of people saying, well, this proves, you know, and I wouldn't take the fact that Damar Hamlin's outcome is good, you know, as proof, you know, that there's a God, because we know a lot of tragic stories for sure. You know, everyone knows, the person who shouldn't have died, you know, tragically died young, the horrible things, you know, that happened in the world. So for me, it is, um, it takes more faith to be an atheist. For me, when I look at the big picture, it's the least faith, you know, the most likely, you know, believable explanation is there is a designer, mm. you know, you know, you know, behind mm. this. And because when I take a look at the big picture, I know there's a designer, then I can lean into it in times of crisis and I can pray with faith, you know, that it makes a difference. But not only design, but for me, it's moral truth, you know, that mm-hmm. is, is, is the universe moral, you know, is it, and I think we see that, and is it beautiful? That's the other yeah. thing that I think about is just how do you even have a basis for beauty, you know, yeah. um, or appeal to. Anyway, well, although it, I, I feel like this could be a very long side discussion. <laughs> it but, could. But uh, yeah. well, I, was, not, I right? was literally sitting there thinking, like, I have so many questions right on through my mind that are fringely related to this subject. Yeah, but yeah. We, we, we probably we should focus. Move, <laughs> we want to focus in, because we want to focus in on the fact of God as our creator, of humankind, right. of, mm-hmm. um, you know, just humanity in general. And, and Drew, you, you had a point which said, God created us differently than all other creation. Um, and, and the verse you cited was in Genesis 2-7 where it says, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust. Why is this, is this significant? Because uh, when you did your pre-preach uh, the week, you know, a few days before Sunday, many people in there was like, I never thought about that. You know, I've never thought about, is that significant? Are, are we reading into it? Like, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I I obviously think it's significant because I made it a point in my message. Yeah, yeah. Um, I set you up a little bit for that. Yeah, one, so. so teed it right up there. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's like 
I think we have to look at the details of how God is a God of details. And I think this is an important detail. And it's not just one detail, right? So there's many details that set us apart from creation. Um, the, the first is God didn't speak us into existence. He formed us, right? And, and you read Psalms 139. It's just this beautiful description of how God knit us together, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Nowhere in scripture does it say that about any other creation. And look at creation and how beautiful it is and think about how much more God paid attention to the details of how he made us. And on that, he gave us his image, right? So just those two facts alone, God formed us, didn't speak us into existence. He fearfully and wonderfully made us. He saw us and he said, we are very good. And then he gave us, I don't know what you want to say, a piece of him, a part of him, some of him, all of, I, I, I don't know how you want to describe the image of God, but he gave us his image and the implications of that. I don't know how you can't just be a little bit overwhelmed and be like, wow, thank you, Lord. And how mm-hmm. that is unique. That is special. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about this a little bit with the Isaiah verse of the potter. You know, we are the potter, he's the clay. But those words even used in Psalm 139 is about knitting, you know, like a um, someone knitting seamstress, with yarn, yeah. a seamstress. Like how my grandmother was a seamstress. Uh, she made like quilts and things like that, clothing. Like, And so like uh, and she, she lost one of her fingers in line of that. Like, so Ooh. she had like the missing of her ring finger. This is upside down. Lord, her finger. All right, back, back to the north. But like just the intentional and intimate detail it takes to be a seamstress mm-hmm. um, uh, or making clothing or even just a blanket or a simple, you know, mm-hmm. handkerchief, right, is is so detailed. Mm. And, then, and then secondly, the, the language used is pottery. Like the, the word formed here is um, is the, a pottery word as well. It's yeah. like he got his hands on us, if you will, in the clay. And so there is this significance to the fact of God did this in an intentional way. It, it, he was intentional with the trees and the birds, but he was intentional in a different way yeah. with mm-hmm. us, setting us apart from the rest of creation. And there, there's something I want to add um, in this regard in, in Genesis 2.15, which you weren't able to include, is when we study Genesis 2, we see that God also gives humanity directives that he doesn't give anyone else. You know, it says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I, and I think in that, in that language that it's similar language to what God himself has been doing. He's been creating and ordering things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's separating <clears throat> land from sea, mm-hmm. you know, the skies from the waters, like all the, all these everything. He's been light from darkness. He's been creating and ordering. And then he invites humanity into a similar type of work of working and keeping it, you know, you know, doing some level of creation. Now we create in a different way because God created with nothing into something, but we take something and make it something better, hopefully. Um, and, and we create and we order it in that regard. And so we have this, and, and then you talked about what the implications were that we were made differently, that we have the end of God, and that's the one I want to spend the rest of our time is nuancing uh, some of these statements that you made of uh, the fact that we are created in God's image, the implications of that. I'm going to rifle through the four, and then we're just going to see where this goes, right? So the four things you stated were we're created for eternity, we reflect who God is, we have a longing for God, and we are created with a conscience. What stands out to you guys? Like, which one um, in your sermon prep, Drew? We'll start with you. For clarity, say them again. All right, clarity again. We are created for eternity. Right. We reflect who God is. Mm-hmm. We have a longing for God, mm-hmm. and we are created with a conscience. Mm. 
what stood out to you the most in the sermon writing process? Like, oh, this one. Wow, I, got, I can't get over this one. Yeah, I think there's sometimes when God makes choices where I'm like, why did you do that? And making humanity in his image is one of those because, again, we have to come back to the truth of every person gets the image of God, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the, the person who is rebelling against God, hates God, claims to be an atheist, doesn't believe in God, is carrying God's image. The people who make choices that don't, like, align with God actually, you know, stand in the face of God. They carry his image. And it just always stands out to me that, wow. And I have to be reminded of this all the time when I deal with people who drive me crazy, who do things that I wish they wouldn't do. They are image bearers of God and Mm -hmm. they reflect God and how I treat them should have some, some reminder, some knowledge in my head that that is that person bears the image of God. And so I just, that's what stands out to me is that God chose to give everybody his image. Yeah, and without that, how do you ever avoid oppression and power and just the abuse of power? But there is no one, no matter how influential, how much wealth, you know, influence, power, military might, whatever that they have, gives them the authority to, they're no more valuable than that person they can oppress or that person they can marginalize. That no matter who you are yeah. throughout the world, whatever your status, you have that royalty. So, so here's a hot take in this regard. I want to ask this question. So does our celebrity culture degrade or in, like in value the image of God in all of us? When we look at somebody and be like, wow, I wish I could be <clears throat> that person. He, he is such a phenomenal basketball player. or She's so... Influential. I think there's two ways you could look at it, right? You could just <laughs> you could marvel at the masterpiece God created, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, the human body can do that, or this person, you know, just as they have the traits and character of God, you know, um, gets to do that. Or, um, you know, again, you're admiring the craftsman, you're admiring the potter and what what they've done, or you start to worship, you know, something other than God. Or you compare yourself to it, right? The Bible says that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And so that, that doesn't mean that someone has more value than you because they have a talent or a skill or mm-hmm. a, a physical body that you don't have. And so I think oftentimes it steals from the wonder that God created all of us in. It steals from the image of God that God gave us and how he knit us and how he made us fearfully and wonderfully made. I just think in society today, everything is this, it's no longer who am I, it's, you know, who am I and how can I be like that person? How can I not be me and be somebody else? And I think we have to remind ourselves constantly that two things. I bear the image of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so is that person. And so that changes the way I see me and it changes the way I treat others. Yeah. See, I would make the case, but I want to nuance it a little bit, that it devalues the image of God specifically inside of the person who's making the comparison. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and because it's not, I think celebrity culture doesn't and shouldn't, we shouldn't try to bring the other person down to our level if you will, but realize and recognize that we are all on the same level yeah. and in the sense of we are made in God's image. And, and when the, a standard of beauty or performance, a transactional level of um, quality is presented, 
in our culture that de- that always devalues. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm I'm reading right now. It's a zero sum game as winners. And yeah, losers. It, it's it's there's, it, when there's winners and losers, it's <clears throat> always devaluing someone in that regard. Um, Sam Alberry has a book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, and um, he he really paints this picture around that you know every person no matter if you love your body or hate your body, is made in the image of God, and God made it intentionally. Mm-hmm. No matter if you're um, bound to a wheelchair because of sickness or if you know, you're know you in a broken body, but there's ultimately it will be restored. Our bodies have va- immense value yeah. because God created them intentionally, but you're placed in a fallen world, and that body will be renewed and restored because of Jesus' broken body yeah. um, in that regard. But that's part of what it means to be made in God's image is mm-hmm. we have... A body because the the sun, God the sun, has a body, yeah. you know, in that regard. And so, well, if you go back to the illustration of like potter and clay, it doesn't make sense for the potter who you know created a, a mug for the mug to look at the vase he created and be like, man, why am I not a vase? Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense because you were created with a design in mind, you were created with a purpose in mind, and that purpose is different than a different creation and. Yeah. I think we get caught up too much in someone else's image uh, versus understanding what God has crafted us to be and being content and finding that purpose in that. And even I, he used a great illustration in the book, so I'll give him credit in, in that, which we weren't able to nuance in this first week. I think it'll come out in a few weeks later, but of God didn't create a soul and then was like looking like, hey, where, where can I put this thing? And then he's like, let's put together a body and then like threw it in there. Mm. And the real you is the soul who that's floating around. That's that's what God made intentionally. And then he threw you in a piece of Tupperware. Like right. he made this, you know, he used this analogy. Like he made this fantastic steak. And he's like, okay, all right. I'm like, I just need some Tupperware or a plate to throw this on now that this fantastic steak. No, it's like. All of it, you know, it's a broken analogy, he says, but like it's that's not it's all what intentional. You, yeah. you, all of you is you. Yeah. And, and what is product of this fallen world is those who die now have to be removed from their body until God comes and restores everything. And mm-hmm. we, you talked about that last year in the Heaven series yep. um, in that regard. And so I want to press in. I just think that it's such a mind-blowing truth, though, that God made you and you for a purpose. Because it's one thing, you know, you can say, you know, there is or is not a God, but that there is a God, okay, there's a God, obviously this universe has so much design, you know, it must have had a designer, you know, maybe you're there, but he doesn't care about me, right? Mm -hmm. There's just, there's this universe, and and to a skeptic, it sounds incredibly arrogant and absurd. Are you kidding me? What makes you think the God of the universe, and you just start to con, you know, think about the yeah. magnitude, the physical size of the universe. You go through those exercises, right? We go through powers of 10 just to see the scale of it all yeah. and the detail of it all and says, what arrogance so what's, that what's, you think God cares about you, but mm, he does. He does right? And everyone is an individual image of God. And I think some of that is, you know, we get caught up in creation a lot as humans, mm-hmm. right? We are in awe of the sea and the mountains, and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. God made that. But I think what we fail to do as as humans is sometimes look at our bodies mm-hmm. and look at uh, like the way our heart and our lungs and our organs and our blood and how it all personality. works. Personality. Yeah, our personality, how every human is different. Like that, that, 
you look around and you don't see very like I mean yeah we have identical twins but even that's amazing like and you Mm -hmm. we often just look outside and creation screams that there is a God but we are part of creation Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to remind yourself that just like the seasons changing and the mountains and the landscape is magnificent so are you Mm -hmm. so like don't just get caught up in awe of that be in awe that God the same actually more intentionally made you than that Mm -hmm. and I think we oftentimes it's easy to get caught up in the beauty of what you see but not see it in you and how God made you Mm -hmm. that way Mm -hmm. so good I want to press in in this a few minutes we have remaining on the fact that other people reflect the image of God Mm -hmm. and what implication that would have in how we interact with them specifically around your fourth point of that we are created with a conscience how do we interact with people who bear the image of God but differ from us on big issues, if you will, like in our culture, politically, um, or just in general? Like how, how should we correctly engage with other people who we know are created in the image of God, but we think they're wrong, right, in, in, in some regard? We, we, we'll, just say, we'll just be honest in that regard. Mm-hmm. But, I, but to prompt you, I don't want to let you just start talking. I want to read to you a C.S. Lewis quote from No Ordinary People. Um, It says this, you have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these things are mortal. Their life is to our life and others as a life of a gnat. But it is immortals that we joke around with, that we work with, that we marry, that we snub, that we exploit. Immortals, whores, or provide everlasting splendors. Now, how do we interact with people who differ from us on major issues, but yet are still made in the image of God? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to understand in this realm. And we find it in Genesis 3, right? Part of the problem is what happens after God created humanity, right? They rebel against God. And that creates sin, which creates a whole lot of problems that we deal with, right? And what we're going to learn in week two, spoiler alert, is... Our enemy, the serpent, the devil, call him what you want, is a liar. And so it makes sense that when sin enters the world, there's a deceiver that we will, even carrying the image of God, disagree because of sin, because we all have been deceived at some point in our lives and constantly in our lives. And so what that does is it creates turmoil in our relationships. It creates arguments and disagreements on what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false. And so as we navigate that in our relationships, I think it's really important to keep it at the forefront. Even when you disagree with somebody, they are a image bearer. And so what that means is I should give them the respect and the value that they deserve, Mm -hmm. even if I don't believe what they believe is accurate or true, I still give them grace, but I can still speak truth into their life. Yeah, I think compassion, I mean, immediately for me, it was compassion and respect. You know, this, regardless of where they are, no matter how far they are, you know, from God, they still are loved and pursued by God. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have that eternal value. They're still going to spend eternity somewhere. And also to think about what's the difference between you and them? You know, am I a believer? Do I have faith? Well, from a sovereign point of view, I believe that God 
that God gave me faith. I mean, I don't get the credit for it, really. Mm. I mean, I didn't choose where I was born or who even shared the gospel with me. Um, if I'm part of his family, I want to treat with incredible compassion and desire and patience, you know, someone who's, yes. who's far from God. I don't get to take credit for where I am. Yeah, some things that are going to form my answer is thinking about um, in the church calendar, this is like the year, the season of empany. And so it's like, what is the implications of the fact that God came to be with us is like in the like liturgical church calendar. Epiphany? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, ep- epiphany. Okay. Um, or empany. I don't know how you exactly say that word. E-P-I-P. I think it's epiphany. I butchered epiphany. so many things. I butchered, so. I butchered the word. <laughs> but anyways, but the point of the, that season is, um, is what does it, what are the implications of my everyday life that Christ came to be with us? Right. And how, how is that supposed to change how I engage the world around me? Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, you know, like thinking about in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll um, remember the life of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. about uh, his quote. You know, I think I saw it on social media last night of, you know, um, hate doesn't drive out hate, only love can do that. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about um, engaging people that may differ from us on a very important issue, um, the the question I would always ask is, when we're engaging with them, is our goal that that we're right? Is that just like the satisfaction that we need as human beings? Or is it that another person feels heard? Um, and But yet we don't sacrifice the truth in light of that. Like we don't hide, you know, our... Um, position of you know and our faith like it's part mm-hmm. it's a part of who we are it's not just a mm-hmm. side category in our life but it's we are beacons of hope um in that regard and we are um pastor Derwin gray he, he used to play in the nfl but he used to say i'm a hope dealer you know I, i'm out on this block yeah. swinging hope you know it's like That's and great. so in the sense of like you know are, are we in the way that we live our lives the how we how we present hard truths is it, you know, seasoned with salt, like Jesus said, mm-hmm. filled with hope, filled with love, filled with light, and that and how we engage the world around us because um, that that is the only way that, not that somebody will come to our position on an issue, but that they'll come to know our Savior. Jesus said, you will, you mm-hmm. will, people will know me because of the love you have yeah. for others. But know? even that is persuasive. Yeah, right? it's, oh, it is. It's, it's so just like, I don't yeah. understand why are you so patient with me? Why are you so kind with me? Yeah. Why, why aren't, aren't you, you yelling at me? Why aren't you doing right. this? Like, Why yeah. are you mad? I, and I think, you know, reminding ourselves, I would probably believe that if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not the wisdom. Like, I yeah. don't have the capacity to discern truth. It was my guide, the Spirit of God living in me that illuminated my heart and my mind to the truth. And so instead of getting frustrated with somebody who doesn't agree with you, remind yourself you probably would be that person Absolutely. if it wasn't for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that does is it, it produces patience in me. It produces mm-hmm. compassion and empathy, and it helps me love them as much as I can to the truth of the gospel. Yeah. We'll wrap up with this, but I think a lot of Christians in some regard are frustrated and angry because they don't like have a full 
conviction or reasoning behind their stance either because they're not spending time in God's word. And so, mm. you know, Drew, even you talking about, you know, it's my guide. It's, you know, me spending time with God in his word and being guided by the Holy Spirit. It just, you know, that's how that's how we come to know the truth. You yep. know, John 17, 17, Jesus says, you will know the truth and your word is truth. Mm. You know, you'll be sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. Um, and so... And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. So thanks for listening to this week of A Little Better. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Bye.